Jeff, can you introduce us to who you are and what you do? Jeff's on mute. Sweet. Hey, everybody. Professional, I swear. Hey, podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, welcome back to the pod. Uh, stick through this intro with me and then make your decision as to whether you'll hang with us. You know, we're not big anniversary people here. We're just sort of just another Wednesday, just another Thursday people. But this particular anniversary felt like deserved an episode. And I guess although this could come across very self-serving, it just felt authentic because it, it's what we were talking about this week. The reason is this summer marks a decade. That's 10 years of running the Dynamite Circle, which really fuels and has a symbiotic relationship with this podcast. For better or for worse, most of the stories and concepts that arrive on this show come from our private membership group, and they come in a unique way, not from people who are necessarily publishing online or having an online presence, but people and concepts that we hear about from listeners of this show, people in person, we know you, we talk to you, and then that stuff ends up here on the show. So as you may know, the DC is a private community for location-independent entrepreneurs. It has a full-time staff, most prominently our current community manager, Vincent, who's also a member, by the way, and previous guest on this show, an entrepreneur in his own right, um, has a very highly leveraged ad service and so helps us with the community as well. He helps moderate our online forum, organize events all around the world, and match members in mastermind groups, many of which have changed the course of members' businesses and lives. But on today's show, we're not just going to be talking about the DC. The boss man and I are often asked about our thoughts on running communities. You know, it's a really hot topic nowadays, community, community, community. It's a buzz term. So we're going to do some inside baseball of that, which, you know, part of me is a little bit, you know, uh, maybe we shouldn't do an episode like this, but part of me is like, honestly, I get asked about it all the time. So we're going to give it a go. Let me know what you think. There's a lot of challenges associated with running a community that's simply just a community. And we're going to make some distinctions that might be useful to you. Plus, we're going to outline some of our hopes for the future of the DC. 10 years is a very long time. We honestly hope to do it for another 10 as we look forward to our first event in two years in Mexico City this coming October. So now an attempt to try and keep the boss man and I on the straight and narrow and not be too indulgent We've invited on Jeff Picaro, long-term DC member and the founder of Mostly Stories, a search-focused writing service for online businesses and the agencies that serve them. But more relevant to this conversation, he's been working with us on our Dynamite Circle conferences, helping our members tell their stories on stage. And the reality is, is this whole conversation was started by a post that Jeff posted in the forum. So we're drawing heavily on his thoughts and his post and the responses to it. So let's start out with that, what Jeff wrote recently in the forum, and uh, we'll let him take it away. Ten years ago today, I was out fishing. I'd built a little SEO agency for real estate brokers, quit my nonprofit in more ways than one job, 
gone location independent and wrecked most of my personal relationships in the process. So I started binge listening a podcast Sean Ogle was talking about. The boys were just getting set up in Hong Kong and made the decision to commit to a weekly episode, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then one day, Dan posted an application for a private forum. Ten years later, I've had the chance to hang out with you crazy kids on four continents, gone from being really bad at SEO to really good at copywriting and back to a search-focused writing service. I've had the privilege of working with hundreds of you and your presentations for DC events in the process as well. From the annual migration from BKK to Chiang Mai, summers in Europe, the rise of productized services, DCX events all over the world, weddings, babies, and more, plus everyone started a podcast. So thanks to Dan and Ian for putting this crazy click together, and thanks to all of you for the friendship, help, and inspiration over the years. First off, really well done. (laughs) The man has a quill. And uh, so do so many members. So we're going to share some of the responses from the community on today's episode and offer just a little bit of commentary. I thought it might be interesting, though, to, you know, just dig back into the origins and the intentions of of how this all came about. I don't know if you uh, remember this, Ian. I hate so, it when people say that to me. The origins of DC really start with like a very piercing personal need that I can hear in the tone of Jeff's post, which is kind of like, what the fuck should I do? I'm bought into this like location independent concept. I've bought into the concept that I'm an entrepreneur, yet a lot of the things I read about business and the people I talk to about business, for some reason or another, it's not really resonating with what I'm trying to do. And so way back in 2009, Ian and I posted a lonely little blog post and then said, if you feel the same way and want to grow a business, how about we just all jump on the phone together every Sunday night and that's what we'll talk about. And it did help us grow our business and everybody did start to grow together and do things together and assist each other. And it was that little like call for help that ended up duplicating and duplicating hundreds, if not thousands of times over and over again through the process of our events and our masterminds. Yeah, the DC started with just some phone calls, Stan. That's the weird part about like a uh, community. It was simply like, we're lost. We need help. Who else is feeling this way? A bunch of people raise their hands. And then here we are today with like a lot of people raising their hands, saying similar things to what we were saying back then. Obviously, some of the conversations have changed, right? Like the community has evolved, like some of the problems that we're trying to solve in the past have been solved in a lot of ways. And then now new problems are coming up. You know, there's this common idea that keeps us all together, I feel like, which is like progress, progress in our business, progress in our personal lives, progress in location. Because most of the people in this community, the DC, are looking to improve themselves or their business on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Yeah, you know, I think people get really hung up on forums and Discord and Slack and software and all these ideas of community when really what you guys discovered was that there was a group of people already out there that were looking for easier ways to connect. And so the idea of creating a business out of a community is is kind of missing the point that you're you're harnessing something that's already there and people that are looking for each other. That leads nicely to the next phase of the DC. So you've got like these eight or nine people that for months are talking on the phone every week and kicking around emails and chatting with each other like, 
oh my gosh, like that's a location independent e-commerce company that has like all the same sort of ambition and sense of like how a business ought to be organized in the digital age. And like we really connect like the, the founders passionate about personal freedom and wealth. And it's just like a different sort of conversation. Now the conversation has become a lot more mainstream. It's not even close to mainstream, but like it's become a lot more findable. I'd say like things were pretty illegible back 10 years ago. Because that idea was so stark, we actually got to know each other. And because we didn't have jobs, we had the time to do so. Because we ran our own businesses, we could fly somewhere and sit there for a couple of days or weeks. It was the actual fact that it was a real-life community that allowed us to organize on an online tool, in this case, a forum, and actually sort of stick together and have it be sustainable because, yeah, we knew each other. And... The reasons for knowing each other were powerful enough and compelling enough that we continued to do so. So it was a process. It was a practice of community. It was communal activities that we took on time after time. It wasn't simply a fact of finding a tool and getting people with stated interests into the tool. You're speaking about this and it's like uh, in a very profound way for me. And I'm thinking like, wow, this is really intellectual. This is really deep, man. This is like really cutting to the core of what a community is. But I think when you strip it all away, like we could just be talking as if we were all dentists, right? And like mm -hmm. we all needed to be brought together because in our practice, we had things that would come up. We had things that we could identify and relate to each other with. And essentially, basically there was no professional community for digital nomads and online business owners at the time. And now there's a lot of them, or there's more than there were before. But like that was the thing that bonded us together, is that we were all trying to find our people. Again, going back to like this idea of like community, the stronger your need is, or the more important your problem is, I think the more that you're going to be bonded together. And I think what we're seeing in our community and what we're seeing with a lot of these professional networks and the reason why the DC has been around for 10 years now is because... We're all trying to solve very hard problems as the organization continues to go on. And as we continue to own these companies, we still find challenges to solve with each other every year. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things is, I can't help but to weigh in here, like this idea that for a lot of these, what are presented as professional problems have a lot of like lifestyle overlap. And the more lifestyle overlap there is, there can be a lot more to it. There can be identity pieces. There can be, you know, a lot more time spent. There's a lot to the location independent lifestyle. You know, hey, our lifestyle is to live this global Digerati lifestyle. Our goal is to build a seven or eight figure business. That's going to take some time. So how about we like kind of do it together as a practice, as a community and that's, I think, speaks to some of the sustainability of this particular community versus one that would say deliver on how to get your SEO to the best. Because like once that's not like an active problem for you anymore, then you just move on to the next solution. Right. When we first started holding these conferences, for the most part, they were in Southeast Asia. And for us, the reason they were in Southeast Asia was because we were finding a cost advantage there in terms of uh, hiring. And it was a relevant place for banking and a whole host of other reasons for companies to want to go there. There's another big trend, which at the time, with the lack of legibility and liquidity around this industry, unless you moved to San Francisco and took startup capital, it was really difficult 
to bootstrap from scratch, like with the cost structure of the United States Correct. for first world countries. And so this was like a hack for people who wanted to take this on as a career path and who didn't have the advantages of, you know, wealth, essentially, or a high level of business experience. You know, it's the classic artist thing, where if you want to do something, you know, find a place that's cheap, go hang out with other people doing the same thing. And that's exactly what was happening in Southeast Asia and it's still happening to this day. Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time, like, why Bangkok for a, a conference? And it sounds random until you realize that in 2010, if you were hiring customer service, you were probably in the Philippines. If you were hiring manufacturing, you were probably in China. Lots of people were incorporating in Hong Kong and Singapore. Lots of people were hiring developers in India and Vietnam. So it was really centrally located for that moment in entrepreneurship, especially for people who were bootstrapping. Give me a second to talk about today's sponsor, Travis Jamison, smashdigital.com. They're the first people we reach out to whenever we're thinking about improving our rankings or any SEO question, frankly. In fact, recently I reached out to the team at Smash Digital with a 301 SEO project, which wasn't a great fit for them. So they referred me to someone who could help. And I know that's why we use them. And so many listeners of this pod use the services over at smashdigital.com. The reality is they really know what they're talking about. They've got skin in the game. They use the exact same methods for their clients that they do to rank their own portfolio of profitable businesses. That's right there, practitioners. It's really empowering to deal with experts who are just straight up and honest about what they can and can't do for your rankings and your SEO in general, rather than being walked through some cheesy sales process by SEO services built for people who really don't understand the power of SEO or how it applies specifically to their business. So if you want to have Smash Digital in your business's back pocket or just learn more about what they do, check them out over at smashdigital.com. We appreciate the team at Smash for sponsoring the show. The story essentially unfolds that we had somewhere been 20 to 40 people who all kind of knew each other and were doing this for a while. And eventually we, you know, put ourselves into a forum, started chatting regularly and invited podcast listeners with similar interests, you know, into that forum. You know, we had a ton of momentum and a ton of value. Like we had solved essentially the problem that Ian and I set out to solve. But with the enthusiasm of everybody there, we thought, oh, maybe we'll just let more people in. Like that'll be, you know, that'll be cool. And so we let the first 100 listeners of this podcast in. If you go back into the archives, you might even hear us saying stuff like that. And then we just put the paywall up and we said, you know, I think whether it's a community, whether it's a business, you need to have people vote with their wallets in order to, you know, figure out the truth, number one. And number two, to figure out if it's sustainable, to, to make it sustainable. You know, since that moment, we've had somebody administering the community and that's due to the membership dues it's something that's important to note about this journey for us is uh where we were at in terms of our other business because if you zoom back to that time dan we had a, a e-com and manufacturing company so we had this robust business and then we also started this new business quote business and we'll talk about that quote business which was uh, the dynamite circle of the community and I know certainly, Dan, for you, one of your motivations of unpacking this is to share with people kind of the progression of how a community gets started, but then also why the community got started for us. And then also 
what you might do today if you were going to start a community. I think a lot of people, myself included, look at a product, they kind of see the end result. They see where people are now. And then they just try and reverse engineer like, okay, well, if we put up a, a website and we offer this product, like people are just going to buy it. But there's so much intelligence. There's so much history to why people got to that spot and why they're able to sell that product. We'll speak to that in a bit here because I get a lot of emails essentially from people who want to start communities. And I'll highlight some of the things that they might not see on the surface. Because I think it's still a, a wonderful opportunity to potentially start a business based around a community, but there are some challenges there. So we'll talk about those. So just to give you a little bit and no doubt welcome break from Ian and Mai's voices, we thought it might be cool to hear from some of the members of the DC. So following up are a few thoughts and observations that were from the contributors in the forum. We called them up and we asked them if they would be willing to send an audio message in response to Jeff's original post. So my name is John Ainsworth. I run datadrivenmarketing.co. And what we do is we help online course creators to double their revenue through funnels. Now, when I joined the DC back in 2015, we were doing something completely different. I was working on funnels, but for a completely different market. And what happened was I saw a ton of other businesses. Many of them were on a much faster trajectory. And I realized that I needed to shift markets. It was super painful because I'd been in that one market for a long time and it was really difficult letting go of that. So I moved to, I decided to move to focusing on online businesses and that made life way easier because there was more demand for service around our funnels. But like, how was I going to be able to test it out with that kind of a market? Well, because I was in the DC, I was able to do a free offer for a number of people, test it out, see what the demand was in different markets. So I tested it out with SaaS businesses and e-commerce and lead gen and online courses. And that was like, that's what got the whole business going was I did it for free for people in the DC. And then some of them were like, well, can you do some paid stuff for us on this as well? So through that, I figured out that online courses was the best option for us. And then I ran an agency doing that for a couple of years and really took the processes that we'd developed around funnels and made it really sing for online courses. So that was great. And people were getting amazing results. But then I had the next blockage. It was really hard to scale past a certain point. I got to about 20K a month. And past that, I was finding it really tricky to scale further. So I got feedback from in the DC that there's a few different business models that work better than the agency. One productized service, group coaching, JVs. If you're going to do agency, increase your prices a lot. And I got feedback from about 20 DCers over the course of a couple of months about that through masterminds from the DC, networking events that uh, Vince organizes, conferences through the forum. So based on all of that, what we did is we took our highest end clients, multi-million dollar clients, and we forex the prices for those guys. And so we can improve the service so we could really deliver something amazing for them. And then for everybody else, we started doing group coaching. Whereas they couldn't have afforded to hire us to do the done for you service. So they've now got access to our systems where they didn't have that before. The whole thing's more profitable for us. The whole thing's amazing. It's really great. So what's happened is we've gone from, we were stuck just under 20K a month. We went to 30K in April and then about 50K this month we're on track for. There was no way I would have been able to do it to get that perspective without having access to the conferences and to the events and to the forum and all of that. So appreciation as always to Dan and Ian and Vincent and everyone who's running the whole DC. 
So we're going to read some quotes from the forum here, and then we're going to get to some structural things that might be a little bit counterintuitive or interesting about behind the scenes stuff regarding community. One member writes, the DC has seen me go through my own waves of success and failure, and I'm eternally grateful to the DCers who stepped in to help me when times were toughest for me a few years ago when I opened up about my financial struggles. Another member writes, I was so lost with my business, I didn't know what I wanted, how to get there, or where I was even going. But through the support of the community, I now have the kinds of friends that take me to the next level. I've learned to grow successful businesses, had the kind of life I always wanted while having one hell of an adventure. If I recall correctly, I think that poster has over 100 employees. There's definitely feels like there's a fresh wave of enthusiasm and entrepreneurs interested in what a globalized approach to business looks like in 2021. Perhaps this is inspired by the pandemic. One member writes, it's extraordinary the early connections we all made in those first few years. Looking back, it does feel like a pretty magical time, a golden age for digital nomads or expat entrepreneurs. It's all subjective and through our own lenses, though. I wonder how many newer DC members will look back at 2021 as the year they got started, made amazing connections and friendships, and started businesses that grew further than they could have ever anticipated. You know, you reached out to me, Dan, the first week of lockdown and asked what might be the silver lining of what we were all about to suffer through for the next year and a half. And of course, my answer was nothing. Um, <laughs> but reflecting on it, I realized I, I can't count the number of people I've met over the years who started a business because they saw 9-11 happen on TV and said, life's short. I'm going to do something interesting. I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to follow my ambitions. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see who takes the the spare time they had the last year, but also the the wake-up call of the last 12 months and says, I'm going to do something great. Monday, Monday, Monday. This Monday morning ignites your business growth with an absurdly high-quality hire from Dynamite Jobs. A hire so explosive to your bottom line, you're bound to be bogged down in cash money. To get started, it's just a zero to 30-minute phone call rocket-fueled by the legendary Ian Closen Showin. Watch him risk his reputation with career-killing high-pressure sales tactics. Experience live the, let me take that to my finance guy move, the hard sell. And I think I need a chief operating officer. What would change in your business if we could get that done for you today? Classic reversal. Hiring used to be a pain in the ass, but with Dynamite Jobs recruiting, it's scintillating, titillating, profitillating. This Monday, 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 go to dynamitejobs.com and click on the Hire With Us link. So we promised some inside baseball guys about, you know, what it's like behind the scenes of, of running a community business. You know, the first thing I want to point out here is that running a community is a really like hot topic right now, right? If you go into the web and entrepreneurship, porn stuff, everybody talks about the value of community. This is the year of communities. We really got to do more communities, all this kind of stuff. I think it's worth pointing out that there's a distinction in running a community and having passionate customers. Basically, a lot of the literature on the web, you know, aimed at startups is about, you know, creating a community for your customers to like swap notes about using your products. And the reason that it's different is because, well, you've already sold them the product, right? So they've bought a product. Whereas 
when you're talking about running a community, which is really more like a private club or, you know, private organization, there's a lot of different dynamics. And one of the dynamics there is that it doesn't behave at all like a, a traditional business. And so a lot of people write me emails saying, man, well, so great. You guys got this community business. You know, I want to build one. I'm having all this trouble with it, which there's a lot of challenges, not the least of which is like getting people to join and getting them to interact with each other and, you know, having momentum and then making money out of it. You can't just go to a community and like double it overnight, right? You might be able to double your profit if you like do coaching to a small portion of members or whatever. But like this idea that you're just going to add twice as many members or whatever, it doesn't work the same way with a product. You can sort of just sell twice as many, especially with software. If you're betting on a community to be your main business, you might be disappointed at the dynamics that you end up with. And so I would very much recommend it doing it in concert with a product or a service and doing it on the side as you grow your chops, your reputation. You can use your community as a Petri dish, as a sales funnel. Some people do that. There's all different ways you, that community can be an asset to your core business. But if you're counting on it as a core business, you, know, you might find that you have a business that's very difficult to run, not that profitable, and you got a board of directors that includes a couple hundred people. Yeah, it's very easy to look from the outside in, kind of run the numbers. A lot of people have done it over the years and think like, this is an amazing business. But again, this is inside baseball talk. So there's a lot that goes behind running a community, number one, that the cost might not necessarily be apparent. And then number two, the term community and the term money, they don't always mix. <laughs> it's yeah. very hard to make them mix, actually, I think from my perspective, in terms of like retaining members, getting people to share openly what they're doing, actually creating progress in our business and our lives, and then turning around and charging people for it. This is something that we've struggled with the whole time that we've been running this community, Dan. We've gone back and forth, me and you, probably a hundred times on what the right price is. Are we going to offer some like kind of like executive level options? Are we going to charge people for information or are we going to charge people for access? And I think at the end of the day, for us, we've always come back to the conclusion that this is a community. Community comes first. And because we have another business, that's okay. Well, there's so many factors playing against that, right? Because in a community, there's a lot of dynamics that re you require people with different dynamics, right? Not everybody can be the same. And so one dynamic is you have some members who will pay, say, call it 600 bucks a year or whatever, and they make $600,000 a year from it. And so now we've got this really weird thing where it's like, okay, I'm getting paid 600 and you're making that. So like the dynamic is really, really tricky. And then you got someone who's Say they see that potential, and so now they want to drive things their direction because, oh, man, if I get in here, I got the potential to get there. And then you just got, you know, communities are breeding grounds for people that have all kinds of needs, whether, you know, it's ego, whether it's identity, whether it's they're just predators and they want to find ways to take advantage of people. So, like, it's the, there is, like, this constant management of if you want all these beautiful things to happen – you have to make sure that people aren't ripping things around for their immediate benefit. One of the things that like doesn't really happen in a product business is like if someone buys like a hundred dollar product from you, like, yeah, they might like return it and give you a hard time. But actually when you're running a community, 
like the opposite can happen all the time. Like someone can pay you 500 bucks a year, but cost you 5,000. Really what we're talking about here is the currency isn't really money. It's, it's goodwill, it's reputation, and those things take time. I kind of got this like cold analysis. I kind of loved it because we have some rose-colored glasses on a lot of things in the community. I think that's fair. A new member called me up the other day, very successful entrepreneur, very smart, and sort of broke it down how community works from a mechanical perspective. He basically said to me, he's like, look, I understand what you guys are doing. I've seen this happen in a lot of different industries. I know that if I spend a year and a half, go to one or two events, trade in goodwill, and put the community first, that what's going to happen is eventually a couple members are going to start using and understanding my product. And eventually, I'll be the go-to person for what I do in these thousand entrepreneurs. And that'll probably take two years. And you know why I'm going to do it? Because my competition won't. And it's going to be fun. And I thought, that's pretty badass. Kudos to you. But don't go in there and, and pimp your stuff, okay? <laughs> well, that's just, that's just our rule is, is you can't go in and pimp your stuff. But this is the long game. This is the I'm going to be entrenched with these people for the next 10 years game. And I think that's not obvious when you come to our sales page, Dan, our website, even when you're in the forum, probably even when you listen to this podcast, that is a real strategy and that is a real strategy that works. Pretty much everybody in the community that takes this strategy makes way more money than we do off of this community. (laughs) Meaning the membership dues that we charge and our costs associated and whatnot, and the profit that we make at the end of the day pales in comparison to what somebody with the strategy that you just outlined makes. The inside baseball is really like the reason why I think most people start these communities, or at least the reason why it works out in the long term, is because there's a reason to bring all these people together as the organizer. And most of the reasons that I've seen is because they're a legion tool for the organization. Meaning you start an organization like the DC and then you sell into its services or you pull together this group and then you invest in the, in the companies. Or the services superpower your business or the particular yes. tool you pick up there. So it's, it's like this ecosystem that kind of, it's like very tricky balance, but when it works, it's like incredibly powerful. So you can easily make the case that like, hey, a lot of small businesses have a lot of question marks about their marketing and business development budgets. Well. You can just basically take that budget and throw it at a community like this or many others and say, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play long ball within these communities. And that has a built-in component of marketing and biz dev to it. Or you know, the supply of those sorts of resources through a variety of services, advice, and high-level partnerships. You know, Essentially, as a community manager, you're a trust broker. And once, if that trust is maintained over time that velocity of action, income, money, it really starts to flow very, very fast. And uh, that's sort of the magic of it. That's why, you know, we progress faster together than trying to do it online, behind a screen, reading words on some blog post somewhere on the web. These relationships aren't forged overnight. And so I don't know the countless number of people that have joined this community have found co-founders have found their CTO, have found their perfect fit in whatever way, whether it's like a partnership or 
the amount of money and the flow, which you're talking about here, Dan, and the speed and the velocity, it's really amazing to see it happen. Well, there's an interesting trust factor too, in, in that a community is not that different than like a small town. And if you move in as a as a blacksmith and build a good reputation, you can make your whole life off that small group of people. And if you move in and you start cheating people and you know messing up people's horses, you're going to have a very different time. Yeah. I think an underrated challenge of running a community as a business is that it's as important who you keep out as who you let in, whether that's someone who's a predator or a salesperson or just needs to cause drama for their own ego. But also, you know, I think that setting the bar at, you know, your business has to be making X thousand dollars a month has kept out thousands of members, but has contributed to why the current members find a lot of value in the community as successful business owners. But that makes it really hard to know how to grow. Yeah. And the reason why I think it's worth focusing on Jeff's uh, idea of the blacksmith, you know, you can have a community of the DC of say a thousand people, and then it can only take a handful of those people to wreck the whole thing for everybody. Like that's the power of these people in in these types of organizations. We spent a bunch of time talking about this, like internally, like these three people or these five people are like, what to do about this? And like, Creating systems. Well, and and there's an important distinction between like having a forum and having a community is that like Ian and I don't have to post in the DC for a year and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it would be nice if we did, but the reality is, is like there's plenty of great people to talk to and there's plenty of talking to be done. And so it's not a matter of Ian and I going in there and saying, hey, what does everybody have to think about this thing that we're posting in here so that everybody talks about it? And when you get to that level, that's a true community. That's a sustaining community. And at that moment, via negativa becomes the name of the game. Like taking actions to remove bad actors becomes a lot more important than finding ways to inspire discussion, which is typically the entry-level conversation about community that happens online like how to get people excited about you know what's your favorite trip you took this year what like that kind of like basic stuff once you have this like sort of sustaining community it becomes a lot more and you see this like let's take a look at other communities like whether it's like nonprofits or churches or community organizations or whatever finding weeding out bad actors and making sure they don't contaminate the group is like typically the point of failure here Dan I'm going to put something out there maybe it'll come true maybe it won't you know if we were to run this organization 10 years from now, this is something that you and I have talked about several times. I'd love for it to be a nonprofit. I would love for this organization to like go past us. And I think in a lot of ways, like it has, you know, somehow pass us and like live on its own in a way that it like serves its members. And again, like there's like tons of challenges around like how do you continue to serve your members for another 10 years? What does it look like if Dan and Ian aren't like at the head of this community? But in a lot of ways, I like I don't think we are right now anyways, if that makes sense. Like I think that this is like a self-sustaining organization that doesn't necessarily need us because it does have guiding principles, because it does have strong membership, because it does have people in it that care. I think that's a real testament to the magic of of niching down and getting to people who have a really passionate shared interest, setting the ground rules for what's, you know, how to be cool to each other and getting out of the way. The next generation of entrepreneurs, they're going to have their own set of challenges. You know, we started this organization in 2009. That's going to be a challenge of our community in the next couple of years. 
like trying to figure out how to get in touch with the people that are just starting out, you know, in their early 20s. What are their needs? You know, maybe now it is easier to find your tribe and your people. For sure, it's easier to travel and work. You know, that those were two things that we found to be very difficult in the beginning, but have uh, since been solved. So it'll be interesting to see like what the challenges are ahead for um, people in their businesses. Yeah, I agree with that, Ian. You know, we talk all the time about where this thing can go. We talk a lot about localism, like local chapters. We talk a lot about a nonprofit membership driven sort of community. You know, we just continue to get members together and to try and make a little bit of magic. And that's what we were, you know, wading through this whole pandemic to host this Mexico City event. There's just a lot of work behind that. And I think making it sustainable and making it minimally financially viable and then having the energy for it over the decade is, you know, what it takes to keep something alive. And it's exactly what it takes to grow a business too. And just in terms of motivation, Dan and Jeff, for me, you know, part of this is I get to talk to you guys. And then the other part of this Again, that might not be as obvious. That to me is just amazing. Is uh, we're going to fly to Mexico City here in a few months. We're going to show up in a room with hundreds of entrepreneurs, and I'm going to walk up to any one of those people in that room. I'm going to introduce myself, and I will know immediately because they have opted in, because they have flown down to Mexico, because they are there with us, that we have so much in common. Part of what this community has always been about, let's just say it, it's fun. It's really, really fun to get together with super smart people. And there's also like a, you know, a camaraderie that comes with that uh, kind of just a special feeling. It's actually like amazing stuff happens because of what you say around DC members. And I, it's always been the thing that kind of excites me the most and what I find is the most fun. It's really fun to go have beers with some DC members after the event. What's even more fun is like the crazy stuff that's going to happen because of what was talked about, you know? And that feeling, I haven't had it for a year and a half. I can't wait to get back in the same room with all you guys and uh, start having it again. Jeff, you got a parting shot? Whether it's the DC or any other community, there's something so powerful about finding your people having that instant recognition like Ian alluded to and just having the the ease of being understood by someone who's doing the same kind of wacky, super narrow things that you're doing. There's nothing else like it. Check it out. Big shout out to Jeff Picaro for joining us on this one and to Smash Digital for sponsoring the show. To end the app, We've invited one last story from someone whose backpack has joined so many of us on our adventures and is just one of the many wonderful businesses we're proud to have played at least a very small part in. That's it. We'll be back next Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And to play you out, this is Manal's Jimmy Hayes. Hey, guys. My first major experience with the DC was actually in 2012, heading to the TMBA boot camp in the Philippines. And I remember just sprawling on the floor of the lowest cost terminal of the, the lowest cost airline somewhere in Asia and calling into that first intro group call and, and pretending, desperately pretending to sound like, like a business pro. But the only thing I think I could say from there is that without that event and without that, that very first DCBKK that came after it, 
our business would be completely different um, and maybe wouldn't exist. And, and I'd certainly be in a very different place. We workshopped the concept at the event. I sat down over, over street, delicious street noodles in Bangkok and found people who, who understood what we were trying to do and why we were trying to do it. We ran our product development process through the forum and through beer hoy sessions on, on Vietnamese street corners. Dan wrote a blog post about our first bag launch that drove a ton of traffic, got us picked up by the Kickstarter algo, and the very first person to back us on our first Kickstarter was a DCer, James Clark. From there, it was almost like, how could you lose? And we've been going almost eight years now, um, eight years, yeah. And that's thanks to that push over the edge and, and a lot other pushes along the way. I think most people would agree that the business stuff has mostly, mostly been just a, a great excuse to get together in random cities and talk to people who really understand why you're setting your life up in a certain way that's certainly not normal. It's a lot more normal, normal now than it was in 2012, but, but it's still not normal. And I think that that kind of community and understanding is a really rare thing. So thanks, guys. And, and of course, the whole DC team um, throughout the years. It's been a, a really great ride so far. Here's to 2031. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.